0: Welcome to the Modern Futures Podcast. Humanity is evolving at a pace never seen before. Join futurist Nicholas Badman as he discusses how new ideas and developments impact us today, how they will make tomorrow more productive, and how they can make life a little more challenging.
1: Welcome to the latest episode of the Modern Futures Podcast and I'm here in Gastown in Vancouver, British Columbia with Samantha Blontron Matthews. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good.
0: I'm really good. Thanks.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm going to call you Samantha for, yeah. throughout the interview. Maybe you can just give us a little bit of a background of, of your history, how you became Blontron, why you became Blontron, <laughs> what that even means sure. and, uh, and, and where we are today.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I always made music and then I became, I went to sound and audio engineering school, God, about 12 years ago and started working in studios and I was so desperate to prove myself. I was one of the, I think I was one of the only, I think I was the only girl in my program and I got a job um, uh, running at a studio and then um, sort of got to an assistant engineer on some people's. Okay. Albums, uh, So I would take my like soldering gun and everything and all these like adapters just like waiting for this moment for me to fix something and I was able like something happened like got ripped out on the patch bay and I fixed it. And uh, the rapper that was in there at the time, he was like an artist, uh, Curtis Santiago, actually. He's a great Canadian artist. He started calling me Blontron 3000. Thank you for fixing the patch bay. (laughs) And then it was just like this dorky thing that stuck. And then I was a robot for Halloween. And then everyone's just called me Blontron. I went to the Red Bull Music Academy in 2006 in Melbourne. Right. And on the questionnaire, they ask you to, you know, put your nicknames down and stuff. Right. And at the time... I wasn't serious about DJing or anything, and... How
1: old were you at this is. I'm 30. Yeah, you're 30 now, but how old were you then?
0: Oh, I was like... 19... 18. Okay. 18, 19. And I... Yeah, I was. I was just like we had MySpace pages and we had like personas like. Yeah. Uh, I had them. DJ Awesome and my friend was like, you know, <laughs> the dance queen. It was just so stupid, you know, and you know the sparkling. Uh, glitter coming down here. Yeah. MySpace. Page I, I've still
1: got four. Uh, I've still got four pages on MySpace. Oh, for, I do too. For from, sure. from, <laughs> from my old music alter egos, for sure. 100%. Mine
0: all were hacked, and like you know, you just stopped checking them. And I had one for Jesus, and it was actually. Uh, We, you know, I just like leave nice comments on people's pages like your hair looks nice today, Nicholas or whatever and Jesus on MySpace. Yeah. Okay. And then we had my two best friends. We had like a group MySpace. It was just, you know, it was, it was that time, but I actually met a lot of my friends in Vancouver through MySpace. Yeah. And uh, so when I put on all my nicknames for the Rebel Music Academy, they liked Blanchon and they actually get you gigs. When you go down and uh, when you go to their their, uh, it's like a it's like a dream camp for producers. So then I was like, well, I guess this stuck then because it's on posters and stuff now. So then I yeah, I just sort of always have been Blanchon, and now I work. I don't really DJ anymore. I produce music with Waspy. He's a Vancouver artist. He's in a band called Dirty Radio as well. Okay. And uh, we do a live electronic show. So he put like booty club music and yep. big bass stuff. And he plays uh, electronic um, sort of uh, hybrid kits. He's got cymbals and then a Roland drum kit. And then I play samplers. Sure. So we do, we both just like have Ableton and do our thing together. And now we're, I've sort of ventured into, um, I guess that you could call it the tech world. It started okay. with, um, I start. When I was living in Berlin in 2012, I went to a lot of Boiler Rooms
1: Okay, and that's yeah, the sure. live
0: streamed show. Yeah. It's like an underground dance music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Boiler boiler Room is the uh, the website and it's almost like a movement in a way, right? Um, yeah. Where, where it, it's interesting. I, I play it at my parties because it feels like you've got a DJ at home. Yeah, exactly. Plus, you can watch a DJ, but more fascinating, you can watch the people oh, that yeah. are in the club that are trying to game Boiler Room and, and oh, sort yeah. of like be in the scene. They're just and dancing most...
0: behind, kind of getting closer and closer. Yeah, and there's a <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people
1: like that are clearly worse for wear, right? Yeah, definitely. A, or a lot of people that really kind of want to be seen, right? Shouldn't?
0: Yes. Some people that <laughs> really want to be seen and some people that shouldn't be seen. It's pretty funny. Yeah. But I love the concept. Like they were, they were live streaming since like the start of webcams, I think. Yeah. And they had a really, you know, underground feel. It was very, Carefully curated. So when I was living in Berlin, they did a lot of them at Stadtbad, which is this old uh, Soviet swimming pool turned club. And the dance floor is the empty pool. Right. The so ache-
1: achingly cool Berlin. Yeah, right? it was
0: just, yeah, it was <laughs> aching. It's achingly cool. It's, yeah. it's funny because, you know, you're dancing in the shallow end and like the DJ's in the deep end, and there's no like end of, word of puns that you can make with that. Right. But, um, so I was there and and I was uh, dancing and my friends saw were just at the office in Vancouver I was like we're watching you on boiler room right now and I'm getting tweets from them and uh, I thought well, this is you know that was like one of those moments where I felt really connected by technology right like okay. like I had a moment kind of thing where I'm like that's so cool my friends are sitting there witnessing this insane party like you can't you can't even really grasp yeah. how cool it is there and so. I, you know, I went and rewatched it, I'm like, I don't even know how they spotted me. The quality was so bad. And when I moved back to Vancouver, I really wanted to bring that connectedness to my, you know, friends in Berlin still and everything. So I wanted to do a live stream show. Boiler Room is, uh, you know, they're a little highbrow. They didn't want to come to Vancouver, and I wanted to live stream a show, and so I thought I'd just go to Future Shop or Best Buy, whatever it is now, and... I thought in the way that there's audio interfaces, there'd be you know video interfaces, and then I learned very quickly that the broadcast industry is just—can I swear? Yeah. Fucked everyone like yeah, so okay. deeply because they yeah. have it's such. They 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 come from a place of fear of like that they can be the only ones to broadcast and those yeah. that kind of idea, and they they were still so terrified by the internet that, you know, broadcast technology was, you know, the truck and the guy and he's yeah. got his coffee and, you know, and, and so there wasn't a lot of video switchers yeah. out at that point. There was a few and they were more for VJ. Yeah.
1: And, and there'd been a lot of streaming technology for, for years and years and years. Even if you go back to the early days of the internet, not 1993, mm. 94, and you had sudo.com and Josh Harris who was yeah. in the film, um, uh, we live in public and, yeah. and he, he was... Basically doing streamed video television and what it's put like NBC out of business He very famously said that as yeah. well, right? So the technology's always been there. Yeah, but but these old People yeah gray-haired guys. Let's yeah. call them that are just holding. We're holding on to the, yeah, the, the industry Yeah, and, and, and hoping that that it would love them and continue to love them and, yeah. until everyone was like, you know what we're done We're out, It's
0: crazy. And and even now, like, I'm in, you know, even now I've advanced and we've been doing live streaming for a few years, but just the support groups on Facebook and stuff, you're just like, these are the dorkiest, most out-of-date people. Like, it's, but they've been kept in the dark with this stuff. So it's like you have, you know, we're wearing... Things on our head and, and we have all this crazy technology and then these broadcast systems, which is such a... When you think about the actual concept of being able of like a free and open ability to be able to broadcast what you want yeah. out to the audiences that you curate and create, um, that's really like... T- traditionally western and like power like that's a huge power and so it's kind of interesting to see how much that still affects the industry yeah and how now with like 360 video and, and the Rico Theta coming out yeah. how much that's just going to change on its head
1: and like live music for me it seems that live music is, is changing everything I, I remember I think it was either Beck I think it was Beck that yeah. did this full immersive experience with know all of these cameras around the stage and you could go to his online experience as the concert yeah. was happening and you could drop into that people like Eamon Tobin were using multi-channel audio so if you stood in different parts of the room you had different experiences yeah. and I actually think that the live experience has been shaking up the industry to, to say look you need to stop this yeah right you're the people that are really really making it hard and even record labels like Warp Uh, 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 Are trying to push boundaries and and think differently because the big record labels are dying.
0: Oh yeah, I mean even even uh, the big production companies though. Like you see that the I I think the EDM bubble, the rave bubbles finally burst, and you see some of these companies, kind of big big companies that thought they were too big to fail, going down miserably. Um, And yeah, it's 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 so funny. Like nobody can see it when it's until it's too late. Yeah.
1: Like Beyoncé can drop an album like yeah. like surprisingly like bang. Here's the new Beyoncé album or Kanye or anyone yeah. and even like Tidal and services like that. Yeah. Which I, I kind of find it strange, Titles sort of still ring fencing a certain artists to bring subscription in, right? But, you know, a lot of these people, it's instant. Just like this podcast yeah. is instant as yeah, well. This exactly. is going to be up on the internet, yeah. you, know, you know, within days of us having this conversation. And it's only that slow because I'll have to go through and do bits and pieces yeah. with it and then and then schedule it up and announce it. But we're on that, like always on, we can, we can write a track, we can drop a track within, within hours. Right. And I think that people want that.
0: They do. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting as I think people want it, but I think at the same time too, it's, it's, I, I'm finding it hard, harder and harder to filter through that content. Like we're still, because we have these sort of like Dinosaurs that still are grasping onto the last things that they can hold on to. Yeah, we don't have real money behind algorithms for filtering things and whatnot. You know, you look at what like every even in the last 24 hours, a bunch of my friends on SoundCloud, even if they've released music through a label, it's been taken down as even though it's their own music. Like, yeah. Boys Noise posted a thing, they're like, Dear Boys Noise, your track, blah blah blah, by Boys Noise. Uh, belongs to this and so we've had to take it down sorry belongs they're to that. The and they're like and he's it. like it's my label and i voice noise so it's like they're failing right yeah. they're failing because they're they're getting attacked by all the other like labels that want to get paid yeah. and people are coming at these services and these services that i mean i used to check my soundcloud every morning mm. and it was such a carefully curated stream of like and the way that, it, like, the algorithm worked where if enough people I followed liked somebody I didn't follow, it would show up in my stream. And I would discover and find, I would probably download a few songs a day. Yeah. I don't even check it anymore. Right. And it sucks because now it's like I get promos, but I can't even sometimes tell what I like because I'm just, I've lost that that trail, that that stream that I, yeah. like, carved out for how I looked for things. I used to have blogs I looked at and and you know, obviously the only thing constant is change, but right now it's a bit of an oversaturated mess because everybody can create and then and then because you have all these people trying to hold on to what they have it's just a lot of noise. Yeah. It's well, hard to find.
1: Whereas where as it was before, I, I think it was around about 1997, 98. I actually created a GeoCities account, <laughs> yeah. realized, worked out the cost of releasing. I, I, I've written electronic music for for quite some time now. I worked out the cost of um, actually releasing it, print and pressing it, doing marketing and everything and realized that the return on it. Wouldn't actually be that great. I didn't really want to be a professional DJ, you know, so it wasn't going to be that. Spoke to my, you know, to the wheel that I was trying to create, right? Yeah. So I ended up creating an earlier version of Creative Commons music sharing record label called Bulging Cube <laughs> on 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 GeoCities, but that was That's it. Awesome. But back in the day, but like no one found you because like yeah. search engines were terrible and whatever. And with SoundCloud, I I totally hear you. It's like this is fantastic, this is fantastic, and suddenly over time you, you're not finding ever anything. There's a lot of people speculating that services like SoundCloud uh, are being Squeezed and squeezed they and squeezed. Are, yeah. I do think that a very very large social network will buy uh, will buy SoundCloud within nine months.
0: Yeah, that's do you think prediction. Spotify I, or do you think like?
1: I I think I think Mark Zuckerberg's looking at it. That's quite telling. And then yeah. you've got Mixcloud, which has nothing to do with Soundcloud. And no. that's fantastic now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I listen a lot to. I need but, to get
0: into that. For me, though, as a DJ, I've always wanted to be able to find the tracks themselves. And that's like, yeah. you know, by listening on Soundcloud, you kind of could do that. But yeah. as I move sort of out of that, and I, I mainly only, I, I just like making music. Yeah. That's what makes me happy. I don't want to keep up with what is cool and who's doing what. And I just want to yeah. make our own shit.
1: And back in the day, you used to have to have a like a, a really powerful computer in the corner and a big screen. Oh and yeah, I used, I, to, I used to write in Cubase, and it was really. I
0: had Logic before it was bought by right, Apple, and right. like you had this green dongle, and it looked like <laughs> crap. And yeah, no, I, it's it's. And I mean, even before that, like the first I I remember why the reason I wanted to start DJing, the reason I started DJing, is because I saw there was this program on Chum yeah. called Sex TV explored all sorts of different sexual tropes and ideas and themes it was really ahead of its time and interesting chum was so good in the early 2000s um and uh they did something on sissy bounce which is like new orleans bounce music but like uh, gay rappers and i was like what is that beat and it's like so like infectious and awesome and at the time like the way i'd discover music is i'd go down to the a and b sound listening bar Mm -hmm. you know they'd Open a CD, and so I start. I would start to jot down the labels with the stuff I liked, um, and then I'd go to like maybe a, a, you know a record shop and go listen. But that was how you found. Music, so
1: that's right. Um, or, or, or through sampling, or, like, I used to listen to a lot of hip hop, or you listen to yeah. like techno or house, and it's like, where, where's that from? Where's that from? You're lucky
0: because you're from the UK, though. So like, I, I like, I'm from Victoria, I'm from like a tiny, like I'm from like, I'm from like the nearly dead, newlywed and nearly dead town. Like,
1: you, you say this, you, you say that, you know, you're lucky. I come, you, I, I, come from nowhere in the UK. <laughs> I, I, no, I actually, um, it, it's interesting. I lived in oh, London for several years. You could go digging.
0: Yeah.
1: People don't share that information. Back in the day, it was Oh, like, no,
0: it was so hidden. Yeah.
1: Rare, groove, rare grooves or, you know, this sample's like, yeah, that was by uh, little Jimmy John Edwards um, on this on this label. I've got three copies, but I'm not selling any and you'll never find any more. And it's like, <laughs> what Fuck is going Everybody on? Was,
0: because, because it used to be so much work. To find that stuff sure. and so that's when the dj was like at its height because that was like it was a hunt you were like a treasure hunter and now yeah. it's like now when djs don't share their like playlists or their music and yeah. stuff i'm like you're a fucking selfish fuck mm. because you're basically playing other people's music and yeah. profiting from it you if maybe you put out a couple of your own tunes but yeah. now you're just like in this elite group where you can share each other's music and you're not benefiting anyone else by not Putting your track lists up and things like that. Yeah. Like, I have a really big issue. I take issue with that because yeah. I've always tried to, I, I go as far as like tagging people's SoundClouds in my like playlist because you can at people on SoundCloud, yeah. just no one does. And I'm like, I, I like, if this person has 400 followers and I have like, you know, a few thousand, it's my responsibility to yeah. like, if I like their music, to share it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, going back to the New Orleans Bounce thing, I, I, called the line like, do you have a problem with our content? And I was like, I really need to get in touch. I had to get in touch with the producer of the show, mm. find out who did the piece on New Orleans. Finally, I heard back from that person months later. Yeah. And they gave me a name of a record shop in New Orleans. <laughs> and I am like 16 at the time. Yeah, yeah. And um, my mom let me like write a check to them. And then yeah. she was like, you'll probably not get it back, you know. And then like a couple months later, I got some records in the mail. And then I was like, Oh, I have no way of playing these. <laughs> <So> right. <laughs> I went and bought like turntables and yeah. I didn't know about slip mats. I thought they'd come put together. Oh, I took it out of the box. I was like, oh my God, you have to put this together? Like, Are these like <laughs> Technic 12s. Yeah, Tech 12s. And, and they're like, heavy. And they're heavy and they're like all these parts. And I was like, what the fuck? I actually, my first few records I bought, I they were actually Hard House. But I didn't know about the 33 and the 45 RPM. So I was playing them at 33. And they were like this kind of like, yeah. now what you'd call like vibey, kind of like do 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 Like a little bit faster than yeah, move baton. Yeah, but they yeah, were like, yeah, you know, you yeah, kind of yeah, get yeah. this groove. Yeah. And I was like, these are sick. And then I was playing my first house party. <laughs> and like this guy's, this my friend's older brother was there. And he's like, why are you playing a record slow? And I was like mortified. And you put them on 45. 45, and they were like, do, 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 do. And I was like, I hate this. It suddenly sounds
1: like, uh, back in the day with Trip Hop, I used to take old rave records and play them like at 33. (laughs) It wouldn't always work, but sometimes you'd find it would be like, wow.
0: Well, and that's just it. I had found them listening
1: to them slow. I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, this sort of ushers in the discussion of of sort of um, open culture and remix culture and mashup culture as well, right? Suddenly, like, just not knowing what you're doing can kind of result in something that that's perfect for a situation. Yeah, exactly. Perfect for your style. And uh, you know, John Peel in the UK, very famous DJ on, on Radio One, Yeah, he's passed away now, unfortunately. Um, we all grew up listening to him and he would oftentimes just play records at the wrong speed. And because he'd play really obscure like GABA yeah. or or really glitchy, ambient like soundscapes. He just wouldn't know, and he, he really wouldn't care. Sometimes, no, because you have it to go look a,
0: on the record sometimes and yeah. be like, because it'll say what yeah. you should play it at, him, yeah. and you don't know. You buy like... a
1: Panasonic record, and I've yeah. got this Panasonic record, and it's clear vinyl, and you look at it, and I was playing it, I was DJing for like a year with it at yeah. the wrong speed, and and it sounded wicked. Yeah, but but like you know, th- this is the way. So so what's really interesting about this and this open culture, and still. You know, people are trying to hide information from yeah. from each other, right? But do you think that just saying let everything free?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm g ge- I'm gonna produce music, I'm not gonna expect to be paid for my music, I'm gonna set it free, and then I'm gonna make the money from performance or I'm I gonna, mean, I think that's you
0: know. how it kind of at at this point, that's how it is. I've I've felt that way for a long time and other people have felt differently, and I think I think that you have to constantly just have an open mind about your revenue streams and and know that things are changing and that you don't really have a lot of control over it. Like you can no one can take away if you have an audience. If you have yeah. an audience, they'll find a way to reach you, you'll find a way to reach them. Like this the I think the people that end up getting pissed off are the people that are used to traditional ways or the people that need the help or the boost. Mm. And then um but I think that you know, my whole business model with um, Circle Work and Ben Agency and my companies now has always been, if you, like when I started, when I started like getting serious about the live streaming thing and I figured out how to do it, my model was never to have somebody like a concert or something pay me to live stream. Right. It was always, hey, like I'm going to find out, okay, who's playing? Like, okay, so, you know, uh, like Thugley's playing and these people are playing and they have this much audience. And you know, because of social media now, especially like you can get really finely tuned metrics on an audience and then taking that partnering with the event or partnering with the artist, and yeah. then going to a media agency and being like, who do you have that wants 18 to 35 year old males? Oh, fucking everyone. Like, yeah, great. So then like instead of you Heineken sending a bunch of girls and halter tops to hand out beers, you have them hosting, you know, Seasons Festival live yeah. stream. So then you're giving something to people that they care about. You're, you're cre- like, you're helping create some cool content and yeah. bringing it to people that might not be able to see it. And the aud- audience is getting augmented by the festival and the artists and everybody wins. Like everybody gets yeah. paid.
1: And, and, you know, this is, this is about knowing I'm not, I hate using the term millennial. Let's throw oh that, my God, let's no, throw that into the garbage right now.
0: I'd be a millionaire if I ever, every time I heard <laughs> So, <laughs> so, me. you know,
1: people, yeah. people between the ages of 16 to 45. Yeah. That care about music, that care about adventure, that care about experience. They're okay with some little pieces around the edge. just saying this experience was brought to you by
0: yeah, exactly. Pepsi,
1: Coca-Cola, Red Peripheral. Bull, Nissan.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it,
1: it, and but they also know that the, these kids aren't necessarily or adults aren't necessarily going to walk out and say, Oh, I think I'm going to go and buy a Nissan Leaf, or no, I'm going to buy they, this, I'm going to buy think... that. But but th- that's that's how it has to be because n- no, no one pays attention anymore. But making money that means you as an artist, yeah, or your companies. You've got a revenue stream, and you still serve them, um, and the people have the best time that they can at a minimal cost, which I think is incredibly exactly.
0: important. Exactly, and I think that there, there's the, once people know that they're like as an audience that they're worth something to someone. That, I don't know my I. I, I to give a stupid example, but how everyone's been freaking about, out about Instagram changing their algorithm. Yeah. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. You all start you started using this service that was free. It got bought. It's never once like turned a dime, right? right? Other than maybe like when they just started putting ads in, but like not, not everything is like based off of like the estimated value of yeah. their audience. And so look at Twitter. Twitter hasn't been making any money <laughs> for years. But they have, you know, but it's like this important thing. So at what point, you know, you see an algorithm change or it becomes, it's something they're trying to make it better, but they're also trying to like be able to target audiences better. Because at what point do you think that you have any ownership over this free service that yeah. people have sunk billions of dollars into, like as it's, it's tough because I mean, here I am complaining about SoundCloud, but they, you know, they're obviously like under a lot of pressure from other things as well. and. The thing that makes me mad about SoundCloud is, like, it's, like, I've paid for it for years. And they yeah. actually do have, like, a revenue model. Whereas something like Instagram, like, you're worried somebody's not going to see your posts. It's, like, your audience is either loyal to you or it's not. And they're going to
1: find you, right? And they're
0: going to find you. And, like, things are going to change and people need to make money. But people's being so resistant to change in like things like the advertising world. I you see people embrace it like at Red Bull for example. I already mentioned the Red Bull Music Academy. They've built so much culture around their brand that people don't even think of another energy drink really. Like yeah. people make Monster energy drink jokes, but like people don't think of another energy drink and I mean, is that cuz it tastes good? It but like they have invested in so many people's lives and cool experiences yeah. and it's like that's what I'm trying to like with with my company now. I'm trying to help brands understand that building culture around themselves is the most powerful tool for longevity and like true audience because yeah. as we see with algorithms and how things change, your like perceived audience can be a lie, yeah. it can change but true audience is when you when you do something that matters around yeah. your brand.
1: So true audience, that's, a, that's an interesting co- um, concept as well. And your agency, this is Ven Agency, Yeah. Right? Do, you, do you, just tell me a little bit about Venn Agency and, and you know, what you stand for as an agency. You yeah. know, we're talking about true audience and creating that reach, but you know, how how are you sort of using technology to really make that happen?
0: Um, well, I, I kept meeting really talented. I, I started moving into the VR space and, and making a video there at some, just started with a 360 video and then it became, this scant like part CG, part real, totally crazy experimental project with a bunch of really sort of next level hackers and creators and was sort of thrust into this bleeding edge technology that I, I you know, I, it went from me like learning about Google Cardboard and an Uber pool to like... Yeah working with people that are coding the metaverse right. within a few months. And so, you know, it's been a really steep learning curve and my brain hurts like every day because right. I've just been learning so much. But what I realized is that I understand the concepts and where things are going and I see the bigger picture and there's a lot of people that are really underrepresented in this area. Um, I have the partnerships with, you know, ad agencies and media agencies already through doing the live streaming. and you know we were talking earlier about like the music industry being so oversaturated that's like there's so many agents and there's so many artist managers and there's somebody who just wants a piece of this stuff and i'm like there's this whole incredible sea of talent of people that are doing some really bleeding edge tech yeah that you know they don't work for a big game agency they because they're so insanely passionate about building whatever they're building or doing what they're doing so you know i I started meeting people at hackathons and at different meetups and things like that and i realized i'm like oh well that person's game is great but it looks like shit they need this graphics person and like i've hired both of these people before yeah and then i started realizing that if i wanted to keep doing what i wanted to do i needed to build up a sea of talent and not subcontract this out and you know it's also hard to kind of rally people to get on your side like it takes a while for people to trust you and and I had a core group of about four people that had been getting steady contracts for me from the last, you know, few months and, or just steady ideas. And it kind of came to a point where I'm like, you know, I like doing the pitching, you like doing the creating, you like doing, you know, the tech stuff. Why don't we all sort of co-found together so we're all equally invested? And then we can start bringing in other smaller people that we find and, Pitch the bigger ideas to the agency, but have this team of people represented. And so now it's it's gotten to a point where I, we've got about five people, and we're bringing in a couple more. But they're they're independent; they're working on their own projects. But we're working on you know a bunch of projects together. And it's the idea is that just as much as we're pitching to you know Taco Bell's and those kind of things, we're looking for those underrepresented people. Yeah. So now what I'm looking for is like, I've been talking to some of my friends who are wanting, you know, have worked in the music industry and are a little disillusioned with it. And I'm like, you can apply all of this same event management, everything like that. But like, come to hackathons with me. Like these people are, are rock stars. Like they're fucking brilliant. And it's, it's so exciting. Once you start to understand what they're doing and what, because they just like live to create. Like, yeah, they're not wearing, you know, like a Stussy shirt and whatever. And like might smell a little bit like pizza, but like, you know, they're, they're fucking rock stars. And so they need people that are willing to like not be scared of tech or be like, oh, the robot overlords are coming and be yeah. like, hey, cool. Like, where is my voice in this? Like, people like me who are sort of extroverted and, and whatnot, I want to go and like get people excited about tech. I want to take a wearable and bring them to, you know, some fashion labels I know and be like, how about you stop trying to make your shit look cool because you're all wearing New Balance and jeans and I'll take you to somebody who's like an amazing designer and like you can leave that up to somebody else. Because if everybody keeps trying to do everything themselves in this sort of like wearable tech, VR, everything, everybody's starting to just like have their own little production houses and their own little things. But I don't know anybody who's like produces like VR content that likes going and pitching to clients. Yeah. And there's this idea, and I remember being in audio engineering school that um, them my business class. They're like, you know, register yourself as a sole proprietor, be your own production company, like you can be your own boss. And it's this whole idea, which is like, hate to use the word, I, I think like something of this generation, a millennial thing, where it's like this idea that you can be in in charge of your own domain and yeah. that like working for the man is bad. Yeah. Where and it's like that's not it it's like working for the man isn't bad but creating with other people like that's the only way you're going to make something bigger than yourself
1: yeah and this is what a lot of agencies get wrong you know they they chat to clients the client only wants to do this or they've only got that money or they won't take that chance yeah i've actually worked with agencies before where you used to have joker cards and you'd believe so so much in an idea that you'd sit down with a client and say, we believe so much in this idea. I know you don't see it. I know you don't understand it. You need to trust us. I'm gonna play one of our three joker cards with this, and you need to fund this and trust us. And, th- and that relationship was interesting because you suddenly pushed a client to go yeah. out, get out of their boundaries of comfort, and we delivered some amazing, amazing experiences. I mean, yeah. in, in that case, it was it was putting 3D printers into a retail store. That's awesome. that, that suddenly changed the way that people looked at you know the whole accessory line, yeah. which kind of scared them as a business, but it kind of made them think you know five years ahead, and you know, that's what we need to do as agencies and as you know I'm a digital strategist and, yeah. and a brand futurist, and I do all this work, but helping people look ahead is really hard because they don't understand it. Bringing together people in maker spaces through hackathons or whatever is really interesting, but I think you hit on a point. The spark of inspiration comes from someone that maybe isn't in that world. That just says, but I do this, maybe a musician.
0: Yeah.
1: Can't we do an experience that is virtual reality, augmented reality, yeah, doing haptics, wearables, yeah. like body suits that, that do this and that, yeah. you know? Uh, and then suddenly you've got a, a foundation and a platform to say, okay, let's create. And I think creation is incredibly important. I mean, you know, what, what artists... Are doing that these days?
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, I'm just just sort of like starting to discover more in the music industry because I kind of just like took a step back from it and have been so focused on building the agency. I I mean, something I'm excited about, I went to the Deep Dream art show that Google and the gray area in San Francisco put on and you know, there was people there there was a guy there doing some stuff with music, but I was just so fascinated with the idea of computers kind of like learning to hallucinate or learning to kind of fill in blanks the way yeah. they think are best and like they are thinking like they've been taught how to think a certain way, but yeah. they are thinking it's it is it is unpredictable in a way and and that's sort of like the way I see art has always been it's you know when people you know the the camera's born you say it's the death of the painting and it's like then then all of a sudden you get all these like unbelievable abstract That's paintings right. come right or, and so, or, I mean, yeah. so it, it, it forces you know technology in a way forces us to sort of like, oh, we don't have to use all our brain power for this one thing now. So what am I going to use this brain power for? It doesn't just sit there. It goes to some next level new place. And that's the way, I, that's my relationship with technology is like, if I can get as much menial shit taken off my plate, I'm going to be a far better human for it. yes And that's the difference between, that will always be the difference between technology and and. And uh, humans, I think that you know we ha- we're not we're only using such a small part of our brains. Like if all of these things start getting taken care of for us, what will we do? We'll always have a drive to do something. Yeah. I think. I mean, there's going to be people that are just lazy, like there always has been, but there's always going to be people that are just like looking for the next thing.
1: And even like you know, technology not getting out. Of the- we're we're sat here with headbands on. Yeah,
0: they're charged up <laughs>
1: So um, during the- this interview, we've been charging up these Think headbands.
0: Yeah. I just got this yesterday so as I've been sort of diving into this crazy world of technology of stuff that I've barely even thought was possible and I'm learning is already happening now now people are building in my office while I'm away I was I have a really hard time turning my brain off falling asleep or like waking up in the morning like I'm you know I take Adderall and I like you know uh, meditate and I do whatever it takes and this this I, I read about this wearable from last year and I was like, cool, if that works like it says it does, that's great. But I didn't you know, let's see. And then this year it was pretty talked about at this at South by. Yeah. And so I thought, fuck it. Like if it works like it says it does, and I can actually so so what think does, um, to those listening who don't know, it's uh, changes your it either has like calm energy or or, uh, or calm or, or energy so sure. you, you place it on your temple and uh, it gives like these electric pulses and last night <laughs> my friend tried it and he passed out on the couch within five minutes he did the calm one. Oh right and I, I felt it instantly like my like like it is like taking like an Ativan or something and then this oh this, okay and then I did the energy one this morning and I felt a lot more alert. So I'm going to get you,
1: do you want to try the energy one? Yeah, let's do it. So you're going to plug me in, right? Yeah. Okay, here we go. Like, so you've just attached it to my temple. Um, and and the reason we're talking about this is, I mean, this is a different kind of technology that that influences and changes the, the way that you are. I think we need to plug in some energy yeah because if I fall asleep on the podcast yeah this, that wouldn't is, be- <laughs> isn't going to be positive I'm sure you can talk I'm sure you can talk for for uh, for longer without me anyway <laughs> but but really thinking about this and even even this edge technology as I call it yeah it's going to become normal and you know what like maybe companies you know big pharmaceutical companies are going to look at companies like this and realize that you can actually go beyond just researching and synthesizing and creating lines of drugs oh, for yeah. prescription to building subscription-based services, headsets, things that you wear.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like we 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 talk a lot about virtual drugs at the office and just like what what those look like and what that means. I mean, I think a lot of the Deep Dream AI stuff. They're finding a lot of parallels between. Yeah. There's a reason like when you look at a deep dream painting where a computer has been taught how to hallucinate, it looks a lot like how when you hallucinate, it right. looks the same. Right. And so, you know, once you start to realize like this is just altering brain activity in yeah. in, in subtle ways, that's like, you know, no different than taking a blot of acid to right. putting this thing on your head.
1: Or people like doing ayahuasca retreats yeah, exactly. healing meditations or, or, or whatever. Okay, are we gonna? Yeah,
0: we're doing it now. We're doing so, it
1: now. So this is just. So like,
0: you'll feel like I'm. I'm not doing. We can do the welcome one if you want, but. Uh,
1: just, just, just hit me straight in. Oh, okay. There you go.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go. I'll hit, no. I'm gonna hit you straight in. I'll just take you because it doesn't. It doesn't talk in this one, but we'll do our most intense vibe, a rush of energy and motivation. Are you down? I'm. I'm. You're, yes. You're, <laughs> 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 okay. So you want it to feel, like. You don't want it to feel like a stinging, you want it to, like, you counterintuitive, but you want it to go up till it feels almost like a pinching, like an intense massage. Yeah. So I'm gonna start, it'll say ramping up. Yeah. Um, and then. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can fit, yeah.
0: Yeah. So okay. then, and then you adjust it either up or down here yeah, into okay. this let, let me take
1: control of this. It's like a pinch on the head.
0: Yeah. So it's like the, the thing with the, the energy one is you want to try and get it as, as like to a point where it feels, uh, quite intense cause if you keep like, it it's supposed
1: quite, to be feeling intense. Isn't yeah.
0: It? It's supposed to be feeling quite intense and it'll actually like start to, um, the higher you go, it starts to sort of become the normal, like with the energy one you want it to feel like a lot of like a strong pulsing sensation. So you can play around with going up and down, but I was... Up it already
1: and, feels pretty full on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> straight, <laughs> straight from the get go. Yeah, it's, um, it okay,
1: is. Okay, so... Um,
0: and then uh, you can like you can move around and do whatever with it, but it, it is... It, yeah, you, you just... You try... It takes a few times to find your sweet spot. I've only done it three times now.
1: Yeah, it feels like um, someone's poking me with a hot needle in yeah. a couple of places on my, on my head and my neck, and I, I'm now... Pushing it up, quite a bit. so so okay. Now, now okay. So we're doing this interview, and, yeah. and I'm surging using yeah. this technology. So yeah. so, what does that do in, in a situation for for advertisers? Where, where's that association between experience where suddenly people disappear into their own experience? Like I'm starting to internalize, yeah, a little more. Yeah, sort of removing myself from this conversation yeah, to think close. about this on my head you know, where does that leave us? Does that leave us in a situation where all of these experiences and brands and whatever are always secondary to a personal experience? Yeah. And if it's secondary to a personal experience, where's the value in that for people like i.e., the big companies.
0: I think that, I mean, with this, the, the, the whole idea behind this is that it's meant to replace pills and, and you know, help people with anxiety and things like that. And I think that probably, you know, would scare, scare a lot of big companies, yeah. but it, I, it, what's interesting is like, for me, I don't know so much about where like the advertising line can be drawn, but the, for me it's a percep- perception thing. And I think that that's where people that are in the wearables world yeah. and in the technology world have really failed people. Right. Um it's become this like Wizard of Oz behind closed doors. You have to be a certain amount of smart or nerd and things. I think, you know, there's certain things where it's like becoming cool to have certain pieces of technology, but that people have, you know, to me this is safer than taking a drug. Like
1: It feels weird.
0: It feels weird, but when you think about like what's actually happening, And the amount of testing and everything that goes into it. The fact that I'm not needing, like this is just directly affecting the places in my brain that drugs that I'd have to ingest. That are put in certain like uh, stabilizers that, you know, whatever else goes into my body and has to travel through my bloodstream to just go change these sort of neurons in my brain the fact that I can just put something on top of my skin yeah. and it can send some electric pulses and change that, to me, seems safer. But that's right. not how everyone will necessarily feel. And I think that's because uh, people, drug, advertisers have done such a good job, like all the drug companies and things like that, of like, this is a lady laughing at her salad. Yeah. And she takes, she takes Centralex or whatever. Yeah. and you know, It's like because so much marketing and brand dollars goes behind it.
1: But the difficulty with this, like, um, and I'm not sure if Think is FDA approved. How do you test this with a margin of error, uh, error that's acceptable with repeatable results across a large sample of people? And that's what's tough, and that's where yeah. wearables is in this gray zone, right? So if, if so do, you, do you
0: do you put yourselves into FDA, like, because that's something that, like, do you extend the arm of the FDA or do you yeah, start I mean, your own federal sort of government bodied? Test crew.
1: Or or a coalition yeah. where everyone comes together. It, it sort of opens up Pandora's box a little bit in terms of like now it's no longer a two hundred dollar um, piece of equipment. Yeah, it's a two thousand dollar piece of equipment because we've had to pay for all these consultants and all this time. Innovation slows down because we can't release it as quickly. Yeah, and this is this is it, right? So it, it's almost like we we need we need wearables. We need things like this. This headset, which I'm now surging at ninety six percent. Wow, I, I'm you're full blown. Okay, I'm full blown like hundred percent surge at the moment, which is kind of feeling weird.
0: It does feel quite strange. Doesn't yeah, it?
1: Um, but it calms down after a while and feels completely normal. And when those, do, do you do you do you take this and say, do you know what, we don't need to be FDA approved. We just need the belief of the people that use it.
0: Yeah, and I think people that... to
1: have faith in, in the in the studies that we've done, right?
0: I think that, I think that you, I mean, the reason I bought it is because of something like Amazon does a good job with their reviews, right? Yeah. So, you know, here's something where it's like Think can have their own website and say all that they want and I can read about it through Gizmag and whatever else, but the fact of the matter is the reason that I bought it is because I went and I looked on, um you know, Amazon and it had hundreds of reviews and they were all high, yeah. they were, the average was high. Yeah. And that's like, if you can, I think something as simple as, as reviews, customer reviews and averages is like, almost like your own way of product testing in a way. Go down.
1: I'm going to go down. I'm at a hundred percent and this is not, this is-
0: it's Too intense.
1: Super intense. <laughs> as, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like okay, I went right up for a little while, and it was just like, how am I gonna do?
0: Because the, the, there's things that like this thing, it'll it'll take the effects down or switch them yeah. the mode, and then it'll bring it back. Because that's when you start to feel really strong yeah. effects of it.
1: Okay, so so I mean, back to that conversation, right? Yeah. Thinking about these uh, these things and, and living on the edge, and thinking about creativity, and, yeah. and you're a very creative person. You've come from music and software. You know, recording engineering is probably the most nerdy thing that you can do in music. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. You you
1: care about sound waves and soundproofing. The technology is infinitely complex.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, All the way through to creation, which seems very human, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, wake up, write a beat, write some lyrics, sing something into a microphone, produce it, publish it, put it out there. Through to this, which is like another experience. So... In one of the previous podcasts Karis O'Connell the CEO of Human Talks about multimodal realities. So how how does this come into the situation where music is an input these things that we wear on our head that's adjusting the way that our brain waves are an input you know auditory smell all of yeah. these things. How does that play into the modern brand experience for for people?
0: Well, I think I think the the first thing that needs to happen as I said earlier is that people need to start recognizing what other people are good at. And yeah. I try and I've been trying to steer that conversation with people that, you know, sometimes like, people ask me, oh, like, could you create an app? I'm like, why do you want to create an app? Like, cause I like, oh, you want to do a video platform, 360 video platform. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you met Little Star or V Radio? Cause they're doing a really good job yeah. of it. How can you then, can I introduce you to, and can you like, oh, well we need our own thing and this and that. I'm like, can you use their existing thing? Can we start making these apps and these mm-hmm. websites? sort of multimodal. So like you have, you know, this is all about creating platform that can get funded, like a Kickstarter, right. like, you know, like I was talking to the guys at real house and they're like, you know, they want to have like that for VR experiences. I'm like, okay, that's great. That might need to be its own thing, but let's first explore who else is doing it sure. and how you can maybe work together yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and,
0: and kind of just in implying it to people and it's not meant to discourage like sometimes people I think people get discouraged when they find out somebody else is doing something similar yeah but it's not meant to be that way it's just like how can you co like create together create that idea together create an offshoot of that based off a platform because the last thing I want to see is more apps and more websites and more things like that and more wearables like when you have a wearable that's just tracking your brainwaves to see if you're meditating and giving you audio cues and then you have this, which is helping your brain feel like you're meditating. And it's just like, and then you have, you know, all these other things. So it's like, how do you start helping people to work together? And I think the strongest piece there is that, and, and I don't have the answer, but how do we start having the no-shows, like the clothing brand people and and the distributors and, and the creators talking to tech? And I, I think that tech needs to make a conceited effort to talk about big ideas and, and get people excited about it and make it pre- more approachable. Because as somebody who doesn't have a strong tech background, like I, I mean in music, yes, but nothing else, a lot of times I felt very fearful of it because I, because it's more just about feeling stupid and you don't, nobody wants to feel that way or not understanding. Nobody, no, people always have like horrible memories of like, you know, getting called on in class and not having the answer or saying the wrong thing and saying it loudly, you know, it's like that's, there's, it's a very real human thing to not want to be wrong or be called out. And I think tech has that ability to do that in people a lot, like, oh, you don't know this chip and stuff. And, and, but when you start to talk about the bigger ideas and the reason I liked the the gray area art show with with uh, the AI so much was that anybody when you're doing something with like tech and art there's nothing that you can do really wrong The, the whole concept of art is that it it's its own thing it doesn't have rules and so when you start to make like inject tech or like have those sort of things that are art tech art shows and like those kind of things. Then people come out and there's this sense of wonder and that's what needs to come back is the sense of wonder. So you need to change the way that like all of the effort that goes into making music festivals cool and whatnot, there's a lot of tech behind it, but open up the curtains a bit and show people, start showing people the process of it. If you have a really cool installation, it's as simple as having like a little plaque with how you did it. You know, so maybe somebody's like, cool, how the fuck does it know that I'm here and it hears my voice and it's like, oh, whatever. And then you just have something beside it that explains to people what you did and how you mm-hmm. did it. And you don't even have to tell people all your secrets, but start drawing the curtain back from behind tech and, and letting people be in awe. And then you have, you're going to solve all of these other things. That's, yeah. I think that's where the conversation has to start.
1: Stop selling things.
0: Stop selling things. And stop thinking that you're the only one that has the ideas or the information. Stop hiding your records from everybody. Yeah. This is, it's, that time has passed.
1: That's right. Yeah. And now I've you know, now i got a large record collection because of exactly that <laughs> yeah. and it, it follows me around in boxes and exactly. I rarely listen to the records because right? <laughs> I'm always spending time um, listening to electronic music. Okay, Samantha Blontron Matthews. Thank you very much for spending time talking to me today. Thank you for I, um, letting me
0: electromagnetically <laughs> alter your brainwaves. Yeah. Th- so, <laughs> so this
1: I, I finished this little therapy session. I feel energized. It was a very strange experience. <laughs> it was great chatting to you and Vendot Agency, yeah. Circle Works TV, Blontron, yeah. and Waspy Beats. Yeah. Keep pushing forward, um, <laughs> and maybe we catch up in a year and find out. How you've been pushing forward with some of these projects that fuse art technology and humanity together
0: love it thank you
1: thank you very much